Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders. Hey, I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. What's up? Chilling. Yeah, you were kind of swishing your hair around as if you were Fabio there. Was just like waiting for the fans to start and like some sexy saxophone music or something. Yeah, and take a couple of snapshots for the, you know, ro romance paperback cover. It was very alluring. Yeah, you like that? I do. I just need some white linen shirt on with three or four buttons on Harlequin romance novel. Yeah. It's like the blue collar man. Yes. <laughs> He's here to complete the project. Actually, I feel like you should just wear the shirt that you have on for your cover. Oh, are you going to tell him what it is? It's like Chris Griffin from Family Guy, and it says, School is friggin' crap. Yeah, no, I know. It's totally appropriate for like a 40-something-year-old man to be wearing. Yeah, I, was, I wear this to work because <laughs> my clothes get ruined there where I work. And I was having a very serious conversation with management about safety. <laughs> and I was, the guy kept looking. I'm like, this dude's either looking at my tits or my shirt. <laughs> And it was, I looked down, I was like, oh, I've got the Family Guy shirt on, Well, Great. just to <clears throat> let you know, you do have luscious breasts. I have moobs. They're pretty. A little bit. They're beautiful, babe. Well, it's 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 here. I love a man with a B cup. It is here, That's and there's not, you know, what can you do? I know. So you just got to own it. Yeah, so we have a great case tonight, and it's one that we've actually had several of our listeners reach out and say, hey, when are you going to cover this case? As far as I know, it has not been covered by any other podcast. Which is a surprise. So we would be the first. And we think there's a lot of those hiding in, in these little small towns, these cases like this. And that's what Mountain Murder specializes in, bringing you cases you may know nothing about. Yeah, we hope that a lot of times it's, you likely don't know anything about unless it's in your direct region, like Knoxville's popping, right? Knoxville. They got all kinds of stuff over there. Yeah, there's some good cases out of Knoxville. Yes, but um, this has been on our list when we wrote down the first five cases we ever thought we should do. Yeah, right? just to get started a little bit before the case, let's talk. We had an interesting conversation earlier about yeah. butchering animals and such. Yeah, I posed a question to you. You did. Um, so I asked you, like when you see these... Um, activist videos right like PETA yeah like these uh big farm factory farms factory kind of farms animals the cows the pigs chickens all that and you see all this horrible you know you know no matter how you, you feel about animals most people don't want to torture an animal you right. know what i mean even a hunter puts them down clean and takes the meat or, you know, someone lives on a farm and a small farm and feeds their family. Well, right. Most they of kill us them don't want to watch a living, another living thing suffer. Right. Like they take care of it. They keep it, you know, as best it could ever be kept up until it's time to take it. And then they do it humanely and quickly. The slaughter, humane. Right. The slaughter. But you see these videos coming when they're scooping up, you know, full size cows that can't walk and front end loaders and flinging half dead animals on piles of other dead animals i mean it's just you know and there's these people standing around there actually doing this stuff while the one you know the people are sneaking and recording them my question was do you think there has to be some type of person like a psychopath sociopath you know some cold unempathetic standard of a person where all those people were similar or share similar traits I think so. And I mean, I'm no psychiatrist or yeah, me know, either, professional, obviously. but it seems to me that there would have to be a certain type of person to work in that environment. Right. And so, yeah, I think where it's you could do that to these animals and not you, care. Right. Day in, day out. For because 10 I think hours most quote unquote normal people would have an opposition to basically brutalizing these animals, even if you're getting paid for it. Right, even from the one on one end of the spectrum, you might have people dressing their dog up and talking, "Oh, it's my kids," you know, loves the animal. To the other end, where they don't really feel anything if they see like a dog hit on the road. But I th still think those two ends of the spectrum would not want to torture. It reminds me of Catherine Knight, the case out of Australia. Yeah, she was a female. Was she a serial killer? I think it was just the one husband. I don't know. I thought it maybe was a couple of people. I'm not sure. It was, yeah, but, but she, she had did a history of violence, and she worked in a slaughterhouse. She was loved like it. a top employee. Enjoyed killing the animals. She threatened. I know she threatened her spouse with her knives. You know, she kept mm -hmm. him like rolled up. But she totally like filleted a guy. Yes. Skit, skit him. The first thing the <laughs> she, investigators she saw. Him up. When they entered the residence, if I'm not mistaken, was his hide 
tacked up on the wall. Yeah. Like a damn deer skin or some shit. Yeah, that's very strange. And, and if she you very skillfully did it. If you don't know about Catherine Knight, you've got to check out her story because it is crazy. She cray cray. Yeah. Last podcast on the left in a really nice two-parter, I believe. Yes, maybe, they, that's where that I was introduced to her story. Yeah, covering last Catherine podcast. Knight. So go check that out. Another interesting story we'll get into a little bit later. I've got a case out of Virginia that is just now kind of in the preliminary trial hearings. Okay. Very bizarre. Since we don't really have an outcome on the case, I want to talk about it because it's just a strange situation. So we got some current events. We do, and we'll get into that maybe here after um, we wrap up the, the case. But I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Accurate Fence Western North Carolina. If you need a fence, check these guys out. They're on Facebook. Just search Accurate Fence WNC. Yep. So thanks for sponsoring the show. Yes, those guys do great work. And another big shout out to Sunday Austin Spin. She made a very generous donation via PayPal. Um, she's also one of our patrons. Yes. Donating on Patreon. But thanks to Sunday, we are now going to be able to purchase some brand new podcast equipment. Can't wait. Actually, we've already purchased it. It'll be here tomorrow. Yeah. So I can't wait. We're going to put out this episode, and then the next one will be on our new equipment. So and you might we should be sound able quite to, different. Yeah. Notice yeah. a little quality sound there. I think so I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll sound dumber, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe any amount of equipment or interfacing is going to help that. Well, no, um, you know, when we were in the full studio. What were you trying to tell me? My stupidity was in a very nice baritone. What were I you think. trying to tell me earlier that, you know, the fact that you forget your keys and your phone and what, you yeah. know, everything? I'm scatterbrained and that you're stuff. you're a genius. Yeah. Yeah. And that I said, just look how they described all, you know, most geniuses. Yeah. Just like that. And then your daughter was giving us like some brain teasers tonight. Right. You know, kind of riddles. I was nailing those. You were killing it. Yeah. And then you were not. Yeah, but I solved all of society's problems while you guys were doing that. Yeah. In my brain. But what they boil down to is it's like common sense stuff. Yeah. I was killing it. Didn't yeah. I get like every one of them right? All, most all of them. Most everyone. But I'm more of a theoretical person. Okay. Yeah. I An was abstract like, well, thinker. Well, yeah, I was like, if you implement this, this, and this in our society, I think this will be the end result. You're like that statue. Like, if you watched the Dobie Gillis show back in the day, the Thinking Man statue. Okay. The guy, you know, just sitting, kind of legs crossed. Yeah. Thinking. Yeah, that's you, right? I'm a modern day philosopher. Renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into this case. Okay, what is... Well, I know, but yeah, let's tell them what this is all about. This is a good one. Okay, let's get started. Are you ready? I'm ready. Crystal Brooke Howell was born August 24th, 1996 in Augusta, Georgia, to parents Christina and Michael Howell. The couple had one older daughter, Sierra. Michael was a successful sports editor for a newspaper in Columbia. He had graduated from the University of Georgia from their College of Journalism the family, by all accounts, was living a comfortable, middle-class lifestyle. Okay. Crystal was described by her family as a spitfire. We all know this kid. Right. We might. Some of us might have been this kid. Yeah. <laughs> she was a lot of fun, but a very challenging kid. Mischievous from a young age, she was seemingly always finding trouble. Yeah, always into something. And we've seen those kids. Like I said, maybe you were one of those kids. Maybe you're raising one of those kids. They're just always in trouble for something. Well, that's the kind of kid, like, when someone comes over with that kid, especially if you, like, barely know these people, you're like, oh, shit. Like, it's always into something. Oh, and I'm glad them and that damn kid left. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if she was exactly like that, no. but maybe. Her precocious, childish behaviors kind of turned from the simple stuff to bigger problems. You know, as she grew older, she started lying, stealing, vandalizing property. Oh, so real consequences now. Right. So it went from that, you know, maybe typical kid that's mischievous to bigger things that, you know, kind of can send up a red flag for parents. Yeah. If it keeps escalating, where's it going next? Yeah, it's one thing to have a kid that misbehaves a little bit. But, you know, when they get into things like the lying, the stealing, I mean, those are big issues. When her behavior started becoming more erratic and out of control, like setting a neighbor's pool cushion on fire, she started some medication. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's when, the, when they start with the fire, the fire is dangerous. 
Well, relatives and friends of the family say it was pretty clear her behavior was a sign of a bigger issue, such as a mental illness. Crystal's mother, Christina, felt that medication was important to help her daughter's brain function in a different way. However, Michael disagreed. The couple often butted heads over the years on handling Crystal's medical needs. Michael thought there was a stigma associated with mental illness. He didn't like the way drugs changed his daughter's personality. And I've heard that quite a bit from people. Not only parents who may be giving their children some type of medication, but other adults who perhaps take an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication, and they're like, I just don't like the way it makes me feel. Well, yeah. I've become sort of a zombie. I've done... My personality is unrecognizable. Right. I've done that before personally, you know, try to thing. But, you know, there's a lot of different stuff. So sometimes you got to, as they say, go through the um, chemical cocktail until you find what is best for you. And that can have a lot of side effects and stuff. But if you really need the medicine or something, you, sometimes it's worth it to go through that trial period, if you will, to define what works with you. Though counseling was recommended for the young Crystal, her father didn't want her to feel different or have his daughter bullied. From what I understand, he had had some issues growing up and was bullied. And so he really felt some type of way about the consequences and the stigma, how other children treat you if they find out you're on medication or you're in therapy. Was it? A psychiatrist. Yeah, I think that's coming from a good place in his heart, maybe to protect his daughter. But at the same time, depending depending on her level of or the kind of mental disorder she may or may not have, you know, that can be dangerous to ignore to not. Well, and I think nowadays mental health is kind of in the forefront. We hear about different, you know, diagnosis, different diagnoses. I can't talk today. We, we hear about different stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you so, can't take that out. Let's go. Right. So we hear about, you know, different conditions, different medications. A right. lot of people, every, you know, everyday people talking about their mental illness. You have a lot of celebrities coming out saying, hey, I suffer from bipolar disorder. Or I have anxiety issues. And it's just really commonplace nowadays. What's funny about that is it's, as much as it is, like you, you're describing it all over the TV and in and, and society and everyone talking about it, is you think there would be more places that you could go get mental health services. Oh, yeah. You mean like all those state budget cuts? Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people say antidepressants can numb their personalities. I mean, that's... Yes, but that's very true. It can, it, can, it can even help the one thing that you're taking it for or the major issue, but cause other issues that are significant as well. And Michael thought without medication, they could raise Crystal using strict rules, giving her boundaries, having consequences for her actions. Well, that all sounds reasonable enough. The solution on Crystal's issues were becoming a big problem for the Howells. It began straining their marriage, which I think this kind of thing can happen. If you have children who might have special needs, there's a lot of focus and attention on the child dealing with the the child, the issues surrounding the child. I mean, that really can, at times, put a strain on relationships. Well, especially if you have fundament, fundamental differences in the way you, you think it should be handled between the two of you. Yeah, that's and that's definitely a pretty cause major right. issue. Right. If the, the mom's like, divided yes, on. we should embrace you know treatment. I think that's what she needs. I'm all for it. And then the dad seems like even maybe for some personal reasons, even trying to protect his daughters, you know, in small towns, word gets around quickly. And that can be that can affect you, you know, if something gets out about you, if you will. But, yeah, that could cause a lot of pressure, internal pressure on a relationship. At some point, Christina informed her husband that older daughter Sierra was not biologically his. Wow. OK, so more pressure. This news greatly upset Michael. Sierra, who was still a fairly young teenager, said Michael withdrew from her. He started treating her differently. I mean, this was the man who had raised her up. You know, she thinks of him as dad. He's thought of her as his daughter all of this time. And then suddenly he becomes cold, distant. Yeah, he fucked that up. I'm sorry. I know that was hard for him, I'm sure. But that's your kid. That's already your kid. If you've been there being mom or dad all their life, that's your kid. I mean, I just personally feel that way. 
Yeah. Even no matter what comes up later, I, I could never shun a child I'd raise. The couple eventually split up. Now, Michael had received a large inheritance from his grandparents, so he decided in 2009 to move to Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Okay. So, so that's how they got Okay. A couple of miles away from us. Yeah. He purchased a large rustic cabin style home in the rural Sheepback community. And you're familiar with Sheepback. Yes, I know some people live up through there. And it is fairly rural. Well, it climbs straight up. You Isolated. know, there's not a lot of a uh, lot of air you you can develop. You know, it's it pretty steep. It is a steep. very mountainous, yeah. rugged terrain. Yeah, there's not even a lot of home sites up through there really. Right. Well, Michael, who was an outdoors enthusiast, he enjoyed the mountain life. He was a golfer, an avid hiker, enjoyed collecting arrowheads. Oh, he's in the right place for that. Being in the beautiful mountain area was a dream come true, and he had hoped the move would kind of help Crystal with a fresh start. Crystal's mother, Christina, supported the move, too, because her daughter refused to follow any rules back home. And so that was one reason why the decision was made that Crystal would move with her dad to North Carolina. She thought Michael might have a better chance at reaching the teen, you know, through his tough love. Right. Maybe if they get up here, just them two, they can kind of settle into their own routines and things like that. Yeah, and I don't exactly know what her diagnosis is as far as mental illness, but, you know, I I do know that with kids and some disorders and some issues, if they get into like a behavioral rut, they just kind of repeat behaviors. But if you take them out of their normal situation or what's become routine, and that behavioral rut breaks because they're in a new situation. Okay. So maybe they thought bringing her here would kind of break that behavioral rut of she's doing these things here in Augusta. She's hanging out maybe with kids that well, she's caused trouble and good you for know, her to be around. People or are talking. Kind of encourage her bad behavior. Yeah. Right. So maybe if she gets here, she'll make some new friends. It'll be a new start. Maybe it'll kind of help break that rut that she's in. Probably just hoping. He's hoping that something she'll, she'll chill out. However, Crystal's behavior only got worse Uh-oh. once they came to North Carolina. She was using drugs, shoplifting, running away from home for weeks at a time, and self-harming. So it's dad's never good. Uh, dad's strict. Uh, there's not been any mention of any types of abuse or anything. It's not like just a you know dad who believes that it needs to be done like this. And it seems like that's just not working for her. No. You know, so maybe, she, you know, again, we don't know anything about her, her mental diagnosis, but maybe she has some oppositional defiance because, like, the harder and stricter you come on her, she keeps escalating, you know, the things she does. Like, oh, yeah, well, you want to be ass about that, and I can't do this and that. Well, I'll just do this big thing. I'll steal. Well, don't I'll... you think a lot of rebellious teenagers do that? I mean, well, that's true. even... On the lighter side of rebellion, like let's just say you tell your teenager, hey, I don't want you hanging out with these kids. Right. Then they're like going to go hang out with those kids. Even if or, they hey, really... I don't want you dating that boy. They're going to oh, go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's the worst thing so you can do as any parent. Naturally, kids kind of push back. Right. I mean, they're, you know, they buck authority a little bit. They're trying to find who, you know, find out who they are, kind of pave their own way. That's true. And so a, a little bit of rebellion, independence kind of comes with that. But you're probably right that, you Just know, a possibility. That, uh, the, you know, the strict behavior maybe really wasn't the rules and all that wasn't really working for her. Well, see, unfortunately, as parents, we don't have the benefit of hindsight. Well, we don't. You go and, through and the... And parenting is fucking hard. It is hard. And so when you hear about some of these cases, and it may seem like, oh, well, they're being a little judgmental. Right. Par- We're really not, because we know we have teenagers. Yeah. We've seen we've seen some shit. We wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> we, we've been through shit, man. <laughs> yeah. I've seen things. <laughs> so we get it. I mean, it's a struggle right. to be a parent. To teenagers, especially today. That's a damn job. Oh, it is. A That's why they invented wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the shoplifting, running away from home, self-harming. In December of 2013, Crystal had been arrested for shoplifting. I talked with an anonymous friend of Crystal's, a person who knew her and knew her circle of friends. It's small town that, that shit, y'all. spoke with me. Okay. And so, again, this is not hardcore fact written in stone. This is coming from an anonymous source. This is strict hearsay. Exactly. But the friend of Crystal's said that when she was about 14 or 15, 
she was like meeting guys online and she would try to, you know, come to their house, hang out with them. She would come over. She would want to stay. Okay. So again, kind of running away from home. She would want to stay, have an extended stay at their home. These guys would think she was older because she had some tattoos. Okay. So they assumed that she was at least 18, but then they would soon find out that she was a minor and be like, you've got to get out of here. You can't, you can't be here at my house. Oh, no. I'm not going to jail. You know, that kind no, of thing. No, no. Now, friends of her father would describe Crystal's behavior as that of a sociopath. Now, her father had confided in friends that he felt concerned that Crystal didn't show remorse for her actions, and she never seemed to feel guilty when she was doing wrong. Okay. She gets busted for shoplifting. She gets in trouble. And instead of being like, yeah, I'm sorry, I should have done that. Or even all to hell because you got caught. Yeah. Even if you're not sorry about what you did. She just didn't really seem to show any... Any reaction. Any reaction to it. Okay. That would disturb me. And this concerned her father, as it probably would most parents. Though Crystal's relationship with Michael could be strained at times, the two were actually very close. Michael would try to rein Crystal's bad behavior in and rebellion by imposing, you know, harsher, stricter rules. Though this put them at odds, others say the two really loved each other. Crystal's friends say the teenager adored her dad, confided in him often. The two were friends and spent time together in their isolated home. Okay. She really seemingly loved her dad. Crystal had enrolled in an alternative high school where she met some girlfriends. At some point in February 2014, Crystal asked her friend Taylor if she could spend some time at her house because Michael was going to Georgia on a business trip. Well, her friend agreed and things seemingly carried on normal, you know, normally, if you will, for a couple of days. Then Crystal allegedly received a phone call from her mother. The teen broke into tears and told her friend that Michael had committed suicide in Georgia. Okay. Not sure what to do for Crystal, her friends decided that they could move into the Howells' home so that Crystal didn't have to be alone. Crystal agreed that if her friends came to the house, stayed with her, that she would cover expenses such as electricity and food for everyone. Okay. I'm assuming if you're a 16, 17-year-old kid... This probably sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, I would do it. Who wouldn't want to go live with their friends? Well, go help them out. Have no rules, no supervision. They're going through something, you know, just trying to be a good friend, and you're going to party. You think so? Yeah, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) One of them will, on the deck or something. During the next few weeks, Crystal would host friends. People would be coming over and hanging out. She spent her father's money generously. At one point, the teens installed a stripper pole in the kitchen of the home. Okay. Crystal planned a big blowout party. She invited a lot of friends. Some 50 people showed up, and Crystal supplied the drugs. Wow. She had purchased meth and brought it to the party. Friends say Crystal's behavior at the party was completely strange. She was very high, hallucinating, She would claim her father was haunting the house. Some witnesses say she would point to smoke and say it was her dad's ghost floating around the house. Okay. So clearly she's under the influence. Meth is not a, I'm having a big party drug, is it? I, why are you asking me? (laughs) I have nothing about The squarest chick I've ever known. (laughs) I don't know either, but I'm just saying from what, from the information I've gathered peripherally, peripherally, if you will, just doesn't seem like it's going to get the party started. I'm like the dare to keep adults off drugs poster child, so don't ask me. You're like, they're doing drugs in the back room person, aren't you? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, we have to leave. This is crazy. (laughs) Let's get out of here. That's actually true. True story. We'll go into that some other time. (laughs) Well, according to a Facebook post dated March 8th, 2014, and this is a post by Crystal, She said, never throwing a party again. People have no respect for the things your hard-earned money has bought. Then in a comment, she rails on, someone broke my $40 shot glasses and my fancy beer pong cups. Throw up on all the white carpets, soda all over the carpets. Well, that's why you don't invite mostly strangers to your damn house to have a blowout party. Because people don't give a damn. 
I never have a party like that. Would you have a party like that? With like 50 people? Like the, well, just a blowout where like. Like a, one of those movie parties yeah. where everybody's like having a ball and it's, and trashed. it's like super fun. Right. Well, well, one, I don't know that many people. I know. Well, I do, but I don't like that many people. Well, Let me preface that. I don't like that many people to invite them over. And you know I'm really weird about having people come over anyway. Well, I'm saying, but then when we try to invite like 10 or 15 people, like nobody shows up. Well, there's Because we never invite anybody over. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie of 200 Cigarettes. Came yeah. out in the early 2000s. I'm like the Martha Plimpton character. She's the one that's, like, hosting the New Year's party, and she's stressed out that, like, no one's going to come. Right. So, she ends up, like, eating all the dip and getting drunk and, like, passing out. And then, like, all it's the people show fucking up. amazing party. Oh, But God. she's, like, passed out. And <laughs> so, that's, like, my life right there. Okay. So, I don't like to have parties because it gives me anxiety that no one's going to come. And right. then I'm going to be stuck with all this food. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> she also posted a few days later about finding cute bearded men on the OkCupid okay dating app. Okay. So she's just having a good time. This is unusual behavior. If your father kills himself, in the days following, are you going to just be living it up? So you're going to spend a bunch of money. And I'm going to guess, I'm going to venture to guess, is not hers. Well, it's her dad's money. Her she's dad's, got his ATM card. Yeah. She's spending Dad's money. money. So dad's got a little money. It's not like he has a nice house with inheritance and a business trip. I can tell you the factory never sent me on a business trip. So he's right. doing some kind of, you know, song. He's doing it. And then just, you know, having blowout parties with strange, you know, strangers and drugs and talking crazy. And, and you're uh, a teenager in high school and you're yeah. on a dating app like okay yeah, Cupid. What the hell? Isn't that like reserved for 18 and up? I'm sure. I don't think any of them is meant for under 18, right? Well, I don't think so. Can we start? Did we just make something? No, we did not. Oh. Lock up your daughters and sons no oh well i would just i think there's a lot of liability come that i think we just uh, need yeah. to let that go <laughs> i think yeah. i think kids today have no problems with meeting each other okay they do i know that i took our girls to the mall this past weekend what and everywhere we went they saw a cute boy oh yeah well as yeah. long as the cute boys ain't see them oh well some of them did man get on I was like, i'm about to call some boys eyes out but we won't go there yeah so friends who were living in the home say that after the party crystal's behavior changed she was acting strangely, even for Crystal. And she always kind of had a quirky personality. Right. I mean, she was always a little bit of an oddball, and that was something that her friends liked. She was kind of funny, goofy, but she was a little odd. Right. An odd sense of humor. But her behavior was... Well, it was one of those, you'd be like, well, that's, a just, darker, that's just Crystal. Had turned. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On March 19th, 2014, in a Facebook post, she writes, This is a very odd one, Dylan. Don't be surprised when the crack in the ice appears under your feet. You slip out of your depth and out of your mind with your fear flowing out behind you as you claw the thin ice. Oh. What? Now, if I was tro or strolling down through my Facebook feed. You were going to say trolling. Yeah. Because that's what I do to people. Well, that's what you've been telling me you're doing. I don't do. I don't troll people. Just so everybody knows out there, I don't troll. But my wife does. And she's got a problem. We're going to have an intervention. I get a sick pleasure out of trolling troll. you I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I've got these people going on. I'm like, you're a, tro you're a troll right now. You're the exact people that other everybody else who's having a regular the conversation about the subject. And you just come by and be like, fuck you. And like, just keep on going. They're like, what the <laughs> hell happened? It's like a drive-by fruiting. Yeah. Like a Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, yeah. anyway. Yeah, but um, so yeah. um, But if I saw that, read that, I would be like, hmm. Either somebody thinks they're an amateur poet, if you will. Yeah, I'm not sure if those are like song lyrics, if that's oh, some okay, sort maybe. of poetry, but it's a very sort like, of They done smoke too much reefer up over there. You think so? Drinking some daggum Burnett's orange vodka or some shit and Kool-Aid. <laughs> that's actually a good mix. You got to try it. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Burnett's and any Kool-Aid. You can just mix it up. Try it with different ones. I don't know if I like Kool-Aid with... Alcohol. You yeah, you would this. Anyway, I think that might be like a Pink Floyd song. Oh. I know. There's this thing called Let Me Google That For You.com, and I just checked that out. Oh, so, is yeah. that how that thing works? So I guess it's a Pink Floyd song, but still, those lyrics are pretty odd. Oh, yeah. The crack in the ice appears under your feet. You well, slip out of your debt. I mean, this sounds like someone who's struggling with something. I'm sure there's possibly. people out there going, he's a dumbass. He don't know that's from Pink Floyd. Well, I didn't know that was from I'm not a big Pink Floyd fan. 
But we love the Pink Floyd fans. <laughs> <laughs> During this time, Crystal was also making posts about looking for roommates, trying to rent out rooms in her father's house for 150 a month, $300 a month. She's trying to keep damn lights on, ain't she? She's trying to rent out some rooms, trying to have, you know, kind of a roommate situation there. At some point, Crystal asks her friends Summer and Elijah, who've been staying with her, to help clean and organize her father's belongings. They arranged them in some storage totes and had them placed in an outside storage shed. Crystal gave a key to her friend Summer and told her to make sure no one else went into the shed. She said it was a really private place where she had memories with her dad and she just didn't want people going in there. Okay. Then Crystal rented a U-Haul trailer, loaded up her father's orange Land Rover, and said she was moving back to Augusta, Georgia. Now, she tells her friends they could continue living in the Howell home. Crystal even told them if they needed money for food or utilities, just to let her know. Okay. Is it now, at this point, it sounds like it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. Is nobody wondering why there's no other family show up? To this house where this young girl, I mean, she's pretty young, 16. She's a teenager, yeah. you got to imagine someone's going to come along to collect her and deal with her father's stuff and all that. Well, you would think, but these are also other teenagers. Yeah, they don't really even think about how things work like that, do they? No, they think money just grows on trees. Yeah, I know. That all we have to do is just go to the ATM and any amount we put in is going to shoot out. I know, they'll just, they'll just, uh, our, our, our daughter's... We'll just walk up to me and be like, give me some money. I'm like, what the what the hell? Like, you're getting mugged. Give me yeah. $10. Take what? me to Starbucks. Yeah. Like, do you have some Starbucks money? Yeah. And the answer is no, but you do. And I'm like, what? The hell are you supposed to be? You got $7 for Starbucks? <laughs> How about we go to McDonald's and get a, a latte for two bucks? How about I just make you a cup of coffee here at the house? How about we know you're going to waste half of that shit and fuck my car up with it if I go pay $7 for the Starbucks? Spill it or something. Leave shit. it in I'm there. Not- On March 22nd, friends Elijah and another guy named Anthony, and Anthony had only really known Crystal because he had worked on her father's Land Rover a few times, so he was more of an acquaintance. They were moving a pinball machine. Apparently, Crystal had told them this pinball machine in the house, they could sell it and keep the money. Okay. They tried to sell it. I guess that didn't work out. Instead of trying to move it back in the house, they decided to stick it in that storage shed. Because I'm sure a pinball machine is going to be pretty big. Yeah. Heavy. Well, I can imagine. They look cumbersome. Remember, Summer, the friend, has the key. When they opened the door, the smell was horrendous. Uh Uh-oh. One of the guys saw a plastic tote covered with a sleeping bag. He removed the bag and popped open the bin. They actually thought it might have been a party-goer. From the big blowout? Yeah. Like something weird had gone down? Okay. But what they discovered was the body of 50-year-old Michael Howell kind of folded into the bin with a massive gunshot wound to the head. Whoa. Yeah. That don't sound like suicide. You can't put yourself in the bin after you commit suicide. One of the friends was quoted as saying... It was the worst thing he'd ever seen, and he never wants to see something like that again, that he's, like, never going to be the same. So if you pop the door and you're hit with this, I'm sure it's got to smell different than Uh, animals. Yeah. I say a specific smell of a human decaying. Do you open the tote? Would you open the big tote, suspicious tote in the middle of the floor? I mean, I'm a curious mind. I'm like the National Enquirer. I want to know. You would. You'd be looking <laughs> at them pictures and stuff. Yeah. You would open the tote. Like crime scene photos? I don't know. I think I might just say, be like, probably a dead person in that tote right there. Well, so. I don't know. I mean, these are kids. Maybe you don't. You know what, Kyle? I think until you see it, you don't. You can't admit I mean, that's what it maybe is. Maybe they thought it was like a rat that had gotten yeah. into this tote. Or a freaking and... moose. Are there any <laughs> moose here? Elk. Could have been an elk. But, you know, maybe they thought it was something smaller. I know. Look, guys, I was just kidding. I know there's not moose in North Carolina. He doesn't know that. I do know. On March 23rd, Crystal was arrested in a Motel 6 in Augusta, Georgia. She had about $3,000 cash and was driving her father's SUV. Now, the day before, which would have been the 22nd, 
Crystal had shown up at her mother's house asking if she could take a shower. She said she was moving back to Georgia and her mom said, well, that's fine as long as you provide me some type of like emancipation paperwork. Right. Crystal showered and then said she was going to go meet some friends and look for a place to stay. Later, her sister Sierra would describe Crystal's behavior as really cold and distant. She wouldn't hug Sierra and acted as though she had no soul. She was also just very robotic. So, so she's even colder than usual. Calmer, colder. Just flat. Just not being her normal self. Right. Crystal seemed very nonchalant in the interrogation room. She didn't show any emotion when talking about her father. Investigators noted her behavior. Just said it was really odd. And wow. that when she did try to show emotion, it, it was, was very clear to them that it was forced. Right. She finally confessed to murdering Michael Howell. Damn. How do you do that? Just walk up and shoot your dad in the head. On February 24th, 2014, Crystal had accompanied her dad to the local Ingalls grocery store. During this visit, Michael caught Crystal shoplifting. Now, this is in February. you got to remember two months earlier. He's done been through all this shit. He's been arrested for shoplifting. He's getting tired of all this because it keeps getting worse and there's more shit. And it's costing him money, I'm sure. And he just had a damn enough. It's been going on for years, it sounds like. He made her return the item as well as apologize to the manager, which would be pretty embarrassing. Now, yeah. I've never been a shoplifter. Never been caught shoplifting because I've never done it. I was going to say because you're good at it, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I've had some friends, especially when I was younger, teenager, who did shoplift and would tell me stories of getting caught. Yeah. And their parents making them go to the manager and admit what they had done and give the item back and that it was just so humiliating. Right. That they were like, I would never do that again. Yeah, because that's a pretty, anytime somebody wants to do a little thing for a thrill, shoplifting is easy kind of easy thing to try out. You know, you just grab something and go with it. But it just seems like most kids would be like, that was pretty humiliating. I don't yeah. ever want to go through that again. Right. Nobody wants to face the consequences and admit what they've done. So she'd already been through this. Here we are two months later. Same thing. She don't care. She don't care. She don't have any feelings. The pair returned home. Michael fell asleep on the couch while Crystal took a shower. According to her confession, she says while she was in the shower, she kept thinking about her dad and how she should just kill him. That will make everything better. As he napped, Crystal used his gun to shoot him in the head. She then hid the body in the storage tote, placed it in the shed. Soon after, she told friends he had gone to Georgia on a business trip. Ah, so the whole, oh my gosh... Something's happened to my dad. He's harmed himself. Dick. Yeah. She's just straight up lying. No one see. I mean, you got to be some type of way to be able to do that and just like be in people's face and just be like, oh, yeah, you know, making up this bullshit. During the month that followed, Crystal spent Michael's money totaling $12,000. She drove his Land Rover and used his home. At some point, she sold the gun, the murder weapon. To her friend Summer's dad for 20 bucks. Ha. Huh. Joke's on you. I shot my dad with that. During an interview with Crime Watch Daily, Summer Ramsey said she felt Crystal might have been trying to frame her for the murder. Ah. Oh. She had sold her father the murder weapon, given Summer keys to the storage shed, and then left her at the home while Crystal disappeared to Georgia. Oh. Okay. Which is actually a pretty good theory. That's pretty good, damn. That's some pretty good conniving, if any of that's true. Eventually, Crystal's story would make international headlines, of course, sensationalized by the details such as drug-fueled parties and the stripper pole. But the truth is, Crystal Howell is a mentally ill girl who was failed in some capacity by the people who loved her. Now, as parents, we try to do our best, but we don't always know what's right. Michael nor Christina are to blame because of the mental illness. We, re we really never know how someone's brain functions no. are going to ultimately affect their behavior. No. Crystal did tell her mother at one point that she didn't mean to do it. Some might say Crystal Howell is a monster, but maybe she was just a girl who needed help. Dang. Well, you know, I've never heard a full story. I spoke with an anonymous source. 
who was in the Haywood County Detention Center with Crystal during the period after her arrest. She said Crystal was incredibly fun, funny, and sweet. This person said she was actually a really good person, despite the fact that she had murdered her dad. She was really nonchalant, again, about what had happened. She spoke about the crime very matter-of-factly, seemed resigned to the idea she was going to prison, and Crystal would even kind of be like, eh, at least prison's better than jail. Oh, wow, better than county? That's what they say. She took a plea deal. She was sentenced to 30 years to life in prison. She is currently housed at the Anson Correctional Institute in North Carolina. During her tenure there, she's had multiple infractions for fighting and disobeying the rules. She can't do it. Michael's body was taken back to Augusta, Georgia, where he was laid to rest. That's very sad. I mean, it's just very sad. He, he, he never felt, he never, I'm sure, suspected his daughter. Well, I can't say what he's thought in his head, but I'm sure he never thought she'd do that to him. I think most of us don't think our kids are going to kill us. No. Well, you know, we're local. We've heard this story. It's been very sensationalized. I remember when it happened. Yeah, I do too. And had kind of a picture of this girl. You hear drug-fueled parties. She's yeah. spending her dad's money. She's oh, got she's a dad, stripper pole. She shot him in the head, crammed him in a damn rubber-made toe, yeah. and put him in the shed. I mean, that alone, for this area, you're like, what? You know, because, I mean, that's a little much. That's crazy. But once I started getting into the case, hearing the details, You told me your opinion of the whole thing was maybe um, it was a terrible thing that she did and very sad. But maybe in a, in a, in a way she was a victim of sorts as well. Yeah. Maybe um, not a monster, but just well, a girl who needed some help. And you know, a lot of that behavior you described honestly seemed like attention-seeking behavior. Maybe, you know, in some ways, times yeah. 10, but... You know, or, or the, I come see, you know, hang out with some guys and, you know, get high with my friends or whatever, but I want to stay. I'm, I'm trying to hook up. I'm trying to, it's like very clingy kind of, even though she didn't, you know, have a lot of emotions. It just seems like anything. Like kind of needy behavior or yeah, something? Yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Like, and, almost and that, like a seeking validation. Yeah, that could reflect something that was missing in her life. She wasn't getting from the people in her life. Possibly. Which doesn't make what she did okay in any manner, but. It really puts it in a, when you look at the whole picture, it puts it in a different light in my mind. I always thought, that crazy ass girl, you know, killed her dad and put him in the building and partying and all that shit. And yeah, I mean, once you, you just, you said, once I looked at this whole case and story and talked to some people that knew her and things like that is, you know, it's just, um, really change your perspective on what you think might have happened. Well, oftentimes we talk about these true crime cases and, you almost get lost in the details and you forget the very real, very human aspect of right. the stories. I mean, this is a case that has impacted so many people. Christina's mother or Christina, her mother, Crystal's sister. I mean, they're left right. reeling. The entire family on both sides. They don't have their daughter, their right. sister, their loved one, their friend. And she's locked up. They're not going to be able to enjoy, you know, Christmas morning with her. Walk her down the aisle. No, and the he's first gone baby, too. All the milestones. Yeah, they've lost the father, which of course is the big one. And then you got to think about these other people. I mean, think of this friend Summer, who's left thinking, "Did my friend try to frame me?" Well, you've got just, these people who found this man's body. Yeah, all they've of been kids. hanging out in his house for a month with no idea he was out in a storage shed. Yeah. That's got to be troubling. I feel like that's something you just don't get over. Well, it may affect them all differently in different ways, but um, but yeah, that's going to leave a mark on you. I mean, I would think. That Real, would weird me out. Yeah. Real quick, can we talk about one more case? I discovered this case, and I mentioned it briefly in the beginning. It is a case that... It basically has just gone to, like, the pretrial stuff. Okay. But it's in Virginia, so it's definitely within our Mountain Murders region. Oh. It's just so strange. There is a female um, college student at Radford University in Virginia. Her name is Louisa 
Inez Tadula Harris Cutting. Oh, I know her. <laughs> oh. She has been charged with second-degree murder for killing her roommate, Alexis Cannon. Okay. I'm sorry, Alexa Cannon. She stabbed Alexa 30 to 40 times in their apartment. What? On January 24th, about 7.45 a.m., cops show up. They get this 911 call. They think it's like some sort of domestic because they can't really make out what's being said. They just hear screaming, and then they hear someone say something about a knife. So, of course, they go over to the apartment to investigate. They basically find Louisa Cutting covered in blood. She welcomes them in the apartment. The crime scene apparently really bloody. Whew. That's the worst. Alexa Cannon has been stabbed multiple times. Sharp object injuries to the torso. They find out it's actually been somewhere between 30 and 40 times. Wow. She has a butcher knife sticking out of her, ma- out of her mouth. Can you imagine? That's weird. Like I don't think I've even heard that shit in a pool before. of blood. When cops are, you know, checking out the scene, they bag pills, grinders, which I guess is like a pill grinder is what they mean. I don't know, maybe. Well, no, that's, I mean, they were like talking about it, some sort of pill grinder. Okay. Multiple smoking devices. They take those from Cutting's bedroom. They find a brown chalk-like substance in the kitchen. Oh. Alexa was from Roanoke, Virginia. She was described as like this really sweet girl, kind, bubbly. She had uh, epilepsy. Epilepsy? Yes, she had epilepsy. Her family said, you know, sometimes she was bullied as a kid, but that she was just really motivated to like overcome that, wasn't going to let it stand in her way. She was studying psychology. She loved interior design. She had gone on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. She was just like a good girl. Okay. She and Louisa Cutting had been friends, like best friends, since their freshman year. And this was the first time that they had agreed to room together, basically. Got this apartment, had been living together for not quite a year. And Radford, the city is pretty small. There's only about 17,000 people in the city, so quite a small community. They've only had two murders within like the last eight years. Wow. This was very shocking. Yeah, well, that's a pretty bad scene. Now, when the officer, you know, walks into the apartment and he's obviously like, whoa, he sees this chick covered in blood, another one lying on the floor with a big butcher, butcher knife, knife sticking mouth. out of her mouth. Yeah. And he says, so tell me what's going on. She says, I killed her, turned around, put her hands behind her back, arrest me. That's not weird at all. Mm-mm. So, Blair Howard, the attorney who represented Lorena Bobbitt, okay, is representing Louisa Cutting. She made a Twitter post on January 10th, so two weeks before the murder of her roommate, that says, I know death is coming, but I still can't wrap my head around it. Oh, that's not a good sign. Yeah. It just seems really random. So I did a little, you know, social media stalk of Louisa Cutting. Her Facebook page seemed pretty typical for a 20-something-year-old college girl. Okay. Of course, a lot of selfies, you know, a lot of those cute, I'm posing with like a bunny filter on my face. Oh, I love those. A lot of those cute, like, I'm all dolled up with my perfect contour. Okay. Look at me. I'm looking fly in my cute dress. She's being her best her. Right. Wait. Living her best life. <laughs> it's just really random. And so far, it seems like there's no motive. And the defense attorney, Blair Howard, has come out in the media and said that there will be some mental illness that will come out, I guess, in, in court. That Louisa well, Cutting suffers from mental illness. And so they're definitely going to try to use that, the defense. Well, maybe she does. I mean, why is there a motive? Well, so far, no motive. Yeah, so maybe... I mean, everyone is like, they were best friends. Yeah. They hung out. They were tight. They lived together. So maybe she did have some kind of detached reality mental break. High as hell. At 7.45 a.m. murdering your roommate? Well, yeah, you've been high all night. You never even went to sleep, girl. You think so? You're having that brown chalky substance with your coffee. 
Yeah, I'm just wondering, what is a brown chalky? Is that could that be meth or heroin? Sounds like heroin to me. You think I so? Don't do heroin. Never seen it, but um, I'm just gonna go with the spoon man. All my friends are brown and red. I just thought that was a really interesting case. Yeah, it's a very strange. It's kind of making headlines right now in Virginia. As I mentioned, they're kind of in the pretrial. She wasn't even freaked jury out when they got there. She just like I killed and so her. It's not like it's actually been scheduled for like a court official court date yet. But I think it's a case that's interesting. And if you're a true crime fan, you might want to look it up. Yeah, kind of follow that. I'm curious to see what comes out. Yeah, I know. Maybe we should actually try to watch it on court TV or something. Oh, I love court TV. Watch some trials. I haven't done that in a while. I need to pick a good one and just dig in. The, like, probably the trial that I kept up with the most and was watching regularly was the Michael Peterson trial. Yeah. And you actually mentioned that to me earlier tonight about the owl theory. So if you've watched The Staircase on Netflix, you know what we're talking about. His wife... Fell down some stairs, allegedly. Yeah, was it Durham? Durham, North Carolina. Yeah. He's a writer. She was successful as well, wasn't she? Yeah, she had her own money. They was, had a big old house Yeah, and had all a, that. like one of those McMansion-style yeah. houses in Durham. Right. And it kind of came out that he had some proclivities that maybe she wasn't privy to sexually. Well, and it doesn't help when... You were around some other woman who was found dead under mysterious circumstances. Yeah, there's all that. Uh, well, yeah. I was living in Raleigh as a, and, and I was working as like a nanny and au pair for a family. So I had like a lot of free time during the day. You weren't an au pair. I would watch. This is America. Lots of court <laughs> TV. He was a damn nanny. <laughs> because that trial was happening and I was like obsessed with that trial. And I was like, that guy's guilty. So this whole owl theory. So would you be watching it and like something wrong. exciting happened in the testimony? Or would it be pretty basic, like boring? Well, it's kind of just basic. Yeah. But I don't mind that. I mean, I actually like watching C-SPAN. So yeah, I was <laughs> I was listening to Criminal. Um, great little podcast I've discovered. It may have been out there forever. I don't know. But I've been digging around for different stuff. They're super short episodes, 16, 18, 19 minutes. But they're really good. And they just throw some tidbits in there. And anyway, yeah, that guy has a theory that apparently there was a microscopic uh, or there was a dowel feather found on her. And he has a theory that she went outside and uh, the, the blood splatter on the wall alone and stuff just really doesn't support his. No, it was a, that whole damn stairs down through there. Well, there's a lot. Yeah. Of a spray. Well, I think he was guilty as respiratory hell. Respiratory spray from of inside of her. Evidence. Yeah. yeah. Right. But anyway, so his theory is that an owl attacked her. She like she went out and take the trash out or something like that. And then he backs that theory up with some uh, cases of owls. Com- um, right. Their talons going into steel. There's a story, you know, stories of that. And I'll, then he names a bunch of owl facts. I'm like, shit, owl's badass. But yeah. But yeah, that criminal is pretty cool. If you guys want to check out that little pod or that podcast. Well, thanks so much for listening to Mountain Murders. As always, we appreciate you listening to us. We wouldn't be doing this without you guys. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to join us on Patreon, we put out special episodes for our patrons. We do. And so we appreciate all of your support. And we'll be back soon with more Appalachian True Crime.